Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Nutrient status is very important for the female runner and especially for her performance. Learn about some key micronutrients and how to recognize the signs and symptoms of insufficiency. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalized sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen. And uh, before we kick off as usual, Karen, I'm going to ask you a question just so that we can share a little bit about ourselves and our um, love of running with uh, with the listeners today. So, um, Karen, I'm going to ask you a question about who your favorite runner is. Okay. Hi, everybody. Yes, my favorite runner. Well, that's a really easy one. It's Scott Jurek. Um, he's, if for people who haven't heard of him, uh, I have mentioned him in the past, I believe, in one of our previous episodes. Um, but he's a, a long distance runner. In fact, he's the fastest ultra runner in the world. So clearly we've got Kipchoge, who is the fastest marathon runner with a sub two um, recently. Um, but but Scott Jurek is the fastest ultra distance runner in the world. And um, and I just I I I like him because I admire his achievements and also his dedication to his sport. Um, and he's quite good looking as well. And that helps. Um, <laughs> so how about- <laughs> How about you, Eileen? Do you have a favourite? Yeah, well, I suppose the other thing about Scott Jurek is he's very dedicated to his nutrition too. So that's uh, that's a tick yes. in his box. Um, so do I have a favourite? Um, well, you mentioned Kipchoge there. Uh, he's mm. very, very inspiring. And I really like Mo Farah as well. He's a great personality and character. Um, I saw him run in the 2012 Olympics in one of the heats, which was very, very exciting. And then obviously went on to great wow. success in the finals. So I remember that time very, very well. And I know you were a, you were a volunteer. You were one of the ambassadors, weren't you, at the Olympics? 
in 2012. Yes, I was. I was one of the games makers. And I have to oh, say, God. I'm so pleased I was able to do that. I so enjoyed the experience. You know, I wasn't able to see any of the sports that, that I enjoy because I was down at the um, Excel Centre. And um, it was sort of boxing and taekwondo and all of those kind of sports. Still fascinating mm. to watch, um, but uh, none of them are my sports. So, um, but yeah, it was such a great experience. I loved every minute of, of being a games maker. Yes. Yeah, it was a fantastic year. And uh, mm. I was lucky enough to go to some athletics and also to the diving pool. Uh, so that was really, really great too. And then I got really um, into it all. And two years later, went to the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. So, uh, wow. so well, since we've had anything big, but it was uh, it was a really great, you know, great family occasion. I really feel mm. feel that you were part of something. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, happy days. And of mm. course, Mo Farah um, has run in the Great North Run. Uh, I think he's won it six times uh, now. Yeah. So um, we see him up here every year. So that's mm. another reason, to, um, you know, what he's up to. So, yes, so that's a uh, look back a little bit, tripped our memory lane. Um, Indeed. So today we're going to be talking about um, vitamins and minerals for the female runner and, and what uh, we as women runners should consider. Um, so there's so much to talk about here. and we've, we've decided um, just to hone in off on three or four um, important vitamins and minerals for women. Um, we'll see how time goes. Hopefully we can get all four covered. Um, so Karen, do you want to take us through what you believe your top four are and what you would recommend female runners to um, consider? Yes, absolutely. So my top four would probably be iron. I think that would be top of the list for female runners. Also vitamin D, uh, magnesium and also uh, calcium, especially for the for the younger teenage runners and sort of middle age runners. Um, but like you say, Aileen, there are many more to think about. And my top four might not be somebody else's top four. So it's very, very individual, but certainly sort of thinking of it from a, a personal point of view and some of the nutrients that I think about for myself and um, what I think would be important for women generally to consider, those would be my top four. Yeah, I mean, I think the ones that you've mentioned, Karen, are really foundational uh, for female health and general health, as well as for uh, performance mm. in running. Um, I think the only other one that I might add in there are maybe B vitamins, of which there are many, mm -hmm. um, but B vitamins are obviously really important for energy production. And, you know, from time to time, you know, people may be deficient in those areas. So that might be another one to consider. Mm. Um, so before we sort of start looking at them all individually, um, would you be able to give us a bit of an overview, Karen, and why you think they're important, particularly for a female runner? Yes, absolutely. So overall, um, I think they're important, all of them together, because between them, they'll support energy production, like you were saying, Aileen, really important for energy and also muscle function. And um, clearly, quite a few of the ones mentioned are, are well known for supporting the immune system and also bone formation and also electrolyte balance which clearly is really important for for a runner for any runner really and we have 
you know, discussed in previous episodes the importance of electrolyte balance. So, um, so, so between them, they would all, co- they would cover all those bases. Yeah. So that, they all have quite, um, a wide reaching effect on the body, you know, for, for mm. such a few micronutrients, they, they make such a big difference in so many different functions, um, mm. which is really, um, you know, Great, because you're getting a lot of um, a lot of benefit from making sure that you you're optimal in those areas. So let's look at them one at a time. Um, so if we do run out of time, we can maybe follow on in another episode. We always try to do about thirty to forty minutes, but let's try with uh, starting with iron. Um, so I think most people will be aware that iron is really important for carrying oxygen. Um, but are there any other reasons, Karen, that uh, we should be focusing on iron as a female runner. Yeah, so like you say, Eileen, the primary function of iron is to support oxygen and blood and therefore um, support energy production. Um, In fact, it's also important for energy production in other ways. For example, it's involved in the energy cycle itself within the cells and it's also vital for the production of um, thyroid hormones which again is important for metabolism which is linked into energy so so uh, involved in in energy production in um, many ways and i feel that females need to be vigilant regarding their iron intake primarily because we lose a significant amount each month during menstruation so really important to be considering um, iron intake throughout the month bearing in mind that we lose quite a lot um, um, uh, during the month and also um, and this goes for males and females regarding um, iron um, Blood can be lost through foot strike. I don't know. Lots of runners have heard of foot strike, but there could be some that haven't. It's it's sort of medical name is hemolysis, and and especially for uh, people who are foot or heel strikers, runners who are heel strikers, it's been found that that sort of weight going down on the heel can lead to um to sort of the breaking of the small capillaries in the heel therefore getting uh, sort of losing blood through that way so that's a, a, something else to be thinking about but also running increases the secretion of a molecule called hepcidin which is found in the digest secreted into the digestive system and it's known to bind to iron and and it therefore it removes iron from the body rather than the iron being absorbed. So that's another way that really iron is lost. So as a female runner, if you've got an accumulation of those three principal factors, then iron iron levels could potentially be a concern. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially the foot strike um, mm. impact, which a lot of people might not have thought about. Um, so just to summarize, we're saying that iron is really important for energy production, uh, which is obviously really important as a runner. Um, and we need to be aware that we might be depleted, um, either through menstruation or heel striking. And, and then there's the digestive issue that you mentioned. So another thought that I was having is that people might not be aware that when they're consuming iron through their uh, diet, that uh, we're quite limited in how much iron we can actually absorb. And it's thought we can only absorb between 15 and 30% 
of the iron that we take in from a dietary point of view, um, which is quite a sobering thought, really. <laughs> so that it's yeah. really important that we uh, look after our iron reserves. Um, and I know that we, we went into this in quite a lot of detail in a previous episode. I think it was to do with the plant-based runners. And I, mm. I remember uh, was talking about that and, and really homing in on how important it was to look at the different signs and symptoms of um, insufficiency. Mm -hmm. um, so people might want to go back and listen to that, but perhaps you could just highlight some of the signs and symptoms um, of insufficiency, Karen? Yes, Amen. Yes, yes. And what I would say really overall is that the, the signs and symptoms for iron insufficiency or deficiency is vast and also varies between individuals. So one person might show some symptoms, but another person show completely different symptoms. But it could be that both are suffering from um, an iron insufficiency or, or deficiency. Um, but some of the most common ones that that people tend to present with are uh, tiredness and fatigue and that what seems to be appears to be one of the key ones this tiredness and and fatigue also like he uh, lightheadedness so this kind of almost like a dizzy feeling for some people and headaches going with that and pale skin and that generally is evident mostly um under the 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 lids of the eyes and um, and also in the nail beds, sort of just appearing really pale when they should be nice and pink, both the eyes and the nails. So that's another one. But also for for runners specifically, tender tender and sore muscles could potentially be a, another symptom. And and clearly over time, as as the iron levels deteriorate, uh, it's going to start to impair running performance. So just to be aware of that. Yeah, and I remember, Karen, that you mentioned the phases of how we don't just go from insufficiency to deficiency sort of overnight. It is something that happens over a period of time. Yeah. So noting, noticing these symptoms early on can help us address them. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later about what you can do to address um, potentially low iron status. Um, yeah. But just before we do that, um, I'd just like to just pause the conversation for a moment and um, just to um, let everybody know about how we um, sponsor this podcast um, with Runners Health Hub. And that Runners Health Hub is where Karen and I offer a range of services to help you be a fitter, faster and stronger runner. Um, over there, we have our Runners Nutrition Zone, which hosts an online program, which has lots of short videos, recipes and downloads as well as invitations to live um, training sessions to help you put easy nutrition into practice. So if that's of interest to you, if you'd like to know more about how to support yourself, you can find all the details at uh, runnershealthhub.com. Okay, so Karen, um, we were talking earlier about the signs and symptoms of low iron status, of which we know there are many. Um, but what could um, our listeners do to prevent this occurring and what foods would be most beneficial? Yes, well, the the 
most beneficial food is red meat. And I think that's well known that red meat contains um, a lot of iron. There's a lot of blood in red meat, therefore um, a lot of iron content. So I think if somebody was uh, or knew that they were suboptimal, uh, then having a quality source of red meat once or twice a week may be a uh, 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 a good way of trying to replenish it because although um losing iron is is gradual like you were just saying Aileen but to bring back up levels of of iron takes even longer again that links back to the fact that we only absorb sort of between 15 to 30 percent of what we we eat and, and it's been found that red meat is much easier to absorb and if it's a good quality red meat then you can absorb up to about 30 percent so really if you know that you're deficient, then that's one of the ways to the one of the ways forward. Clearly, if you're not vegetarian or vegan, um, there is a small amount of iron in fish and poultry, but not to the same extent as the as the red meats. Um, and for people who maybe don't like red meat or um, are vegetarian and vegan, there are some non-meat sources, including um, soybean and its products, which includes the likes of tempeh and tofu, um, edamame beans, things like that you could consider. Also the legumes, so the beans, peas, lentils, they, they contain, contain decent amounts of, of um, iron as well. Nuts and seeds, so including them as snacks. Vegetables and fruit um, to, to varying degrees. Clearly, we all know about Popeye and his iron from his spinach. Um, so that's that's a, a good source. Um, but you will get some from, um, from a small amount from apricots and, and other fruits. Um, some grains as well. Most of the grains will have some um, iron in them and also fortified foods. But with fortified foods, the, the potentially the amount is a, a decent amount that you're taking in, but it's the quality of the fortified foods as well that you need to be considering when purchasing them. And, and what I would say about all the non-meat sources is that the iron is not so easily absorbed. So, um, it's not going to be a quick fix with the, with the non-meat um, sources, it's going to be an accumulation over time. So it may be that a supplement is required for a period of time. Then once you've built up um, the resources of iron, then you can move on to just maintaining it via the plant sources. Right. So what we're saying really is that meat is the best source of iron, uh, but there's many plant sources that aren't so ed readily absorbed, but it would be a good idea to include all of these in, in your food plan so that, mm -hmm. you know, you're regularly topping up your iron status. Yeah. So that that's great. Lots of great information on iron there. And as I said earlier, pop back and look at the plant-based um, episode because there's um, quite a big discussion going on there about iron. Uh, but let's move on now, Karen, and talk about vitamin D. Um, so the sunshine vitamin, why is it so important for the female runner? Yes, well, vitamin D really is important for everyone. And um, and as we know, so many of us in the Northern Hemisphere appear to be deficient due to the lack of that sun exposure that you're speaking about, Aileen. Um, and it's also, it's well known for its links to bone health. Um, and, and that's because it's important for the absorption and utilisation of calcium, which is vital for bone formation. 
So, and, and because bone is known to deteriorate with age and following menopause, women are at higher risk of fractures due to sort of low estrogen levels, which is known to be bone protective. It's really important that women of middle age start to pay particular attention to their vitamin D levels to support that bone strength because it's naturally reducing because of age, increased because of low estrogen. So really important to be to be um, thinking about that and and looking at ways of of supporting it. And, and clearly running is a weight bearing exercise. So runners are naturally supporting bone health. Um, however, you still need the raw materials. So the raw nutrients for bone formation, um, on an ongoing basis. But also besides bone health, clearly that's what we all know about, um, vitamin D and it's, it, it's, it's importance there. But for a runner, vitamin D is also important for immune health and, um, and also for, um, for supporting muscle contraction. And calcium is really important in there as well, actually. They sort of work together in, in producing muscle contraction. So, which is clearly, um invaluable for um for, for a runner yeah so when uh people often say to me you know when i talk about vitamin they'll say well what does vitamin d do and it's like well where do you start it just mm. does such a lot um but one of the things you mentioned there is that vitamin d and calcium appear to work together um particularly well in supporting muscle function as well as bone health both of which are really key to the runner um mm. and we know that the best way of getting vitamin D is to get out in the sunshine, which is, you know, often a good way because runners were outdoors a lot. And if we can time our running to early in the morning and have bare arms and that kind of thing, that's mm. going to really help optimize our vitamin D levels. Um, and that's, you know, known as the best way to make your vitamin D status optimal. Yeah. Um, but we can increase our vitamin D through our diet in a small way. It's a small contributor, I would say. Um, so what, what sort of foods would you recommend that people um, included to um, add some vitamin D to their food? <laughs> Yes, well, like you say, Aileen, it is a small, um, small amount, but, but the likes of fish, especially oily fish, um, will, will contain some vitamin D, as will butter, eggs, and some other meats as well may have a small amount. And again, it goes back to the fortified foods. Vitamin D is, is, um, fortified in, in certain foods, but just be mindful of the quality of the foods that that are um that you are purchasing uh, like you say the most the natural sources from the sun is what we want to really be trying to do but if all else fails and there is a known um insufficiency deficiency then supplementation might be really important here for a period of time um and under guidance but it might be that supplementation um is required yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Definitely supplementation. If you find that you are significantly deficient, um, usually you find that out doing a test, um, which is a fairly simple thing to do, but the supplementation would be the way to go to get you back to an optimal level. And then you can use the sunshine and the food to keep you in the right banding. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that's that's really crucial information. Um, so let's think now about um, moving on to what else vitamin might vitamin D might do, um, and alongside um, some of the other important nutrients. And you mentioned magnesium. Could we talk about that now? Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, because vitamin D, like we've spoken about, vitamin D and, and calcium tend to work a lot together. And, um, but, but magnesium really is, is an important run, an important mineral for, again, everybody, but especially runners. And again, it's important for energy production, um, also for muscle function as well. Again, works. it's needed for bone health. So here we've got vitamin D, calcium, and we've got magnesium that's important for bone health. So for, for female runners, these these uh, vitamins and minerals we're speaking about are really crucial, especially, if, like I said earlier, for those teenage um, female runners or, or female athletes in whatever way for their for their bone formation, but also in later life, that middle age, that menopause stage for, for women, um, the, these vitamins and minerals are really key for supporting bone health and bone formation. Also, magnesium is important um, for electrolyte balance. And, and calcium, again, is important for this as, as well. And um, and also with magnesium, it's uh, it assists in the conversion of of glycogen to glucose. So during that running, especially the endurance running, when you really need to pull on your glycogen reserves, magnesium is going to be really important in pulling it back out of of um, of storage and converting it to glucose to keep the to keep your performance going to the end of that that run, that training run, that race, whatever it. May be so a lot of a lot of uses magnesium has yeah it certainly does have a lot of uses and it's sort of known as the universal mineral because we need it for so many functions of the body and the other thing that it's known as is nature's tranquilizer so uh, people might have heard of that and it's very good at helping us relax and particularly helping with muscle relaxation too. Mm -hmm. um, so just a few little factoids there. Um, mm -hmm. So when we we're talking about iron um, earlier on, you mentioned some key signs and symptoms. So equally with magnesium, are there some common signs and symptoms that people can look out for if they think they might be suboptimal? Yes. So, so like, like iron, the, the signs and symptoms are vast and varied between individuals. But some of the key ones include, um, muscle cramps, twitches, spams, spasms. Can't get my tongue around that one. Um, like you were saying, Aileen, it's the universal tranquilizer or the people's tranquilizer and 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 absolutely right it's it's a, a muscle relaxant so really helps with with cramps twitches and and spasms so I, if if anybody's experiencing that sometimes it can be sodium we speak about that i think in a, in another episode as well and because it is the key electrolyte that is is lost um but magnesium can have similar effects so really important to to work out 
what is causing the issue? Is it magnesium? Is it sodium? And also another sign, quite a common sign, is restless legs. And that tends to happen at nights for most people. They might be lying in bed and they just get these sort of leg movements that are, are um, automatic, the right side of their control. So worth observing for that. Constipation, again, because um, um, magnesium is a muscle relaxant, if we're insufficient, that the, the, the movement of, um, so this peristalsis movement through the digestive tract, which helps move the, the feces through the large intestine to be excreted, that can be depleted and, um, or reduced leading to constipation. Uh, fatigue because it's important, magnesium is important in the energy production and also poor sleep uh, because magnesium's really linked to some of the new, the, the calming neuro, neurotransmitters in the, in the brain. So going back to what you were saying, Aileen, about the tranquilizer, there's a real link uh, with magnesium and some of the brain hormones that really support relaxation and calming. So those are some, like I say, not all, but some of the key symptoms that um, that people might experience if they're insufficient. Yeah, and it's interesting that some of these signs and symptoms do overlap with other uh, potential deficiencies. Mm. So. Um, it's not always clear straight away what is going on um, when you first notice something. Um, so the signs and symptoms are numerous. But I think one of the things that is worth mentioning with regards to magnesium is that stress is known to deplete magnesium. Uh, and obviously exercise can be a stressor, especially endurance running. So that's quite important to bear in mind. Um, so I think with all nutrients, what we've got to think about is we've got a a nutrient pool um, and that pool can be full and it can be uh, less than full from time depending on what our body requires so if we're putting extra um, an extra call in our body to do things we might have less of it so that's why it's really important to make sure that you're eating optimally and uh, potentially you know taking in supplements if required um, but just thinking about the food angle there, Karen, because I know we always say food first. Um, mm. Can you give us some suggestions for um, foods which support magnesium levels? Yes, absolutely. So um, dark green, green leafy vegetables. As nutritional therapists, we're always speaking about dark green leafy vegetables for our clients, aren't we? And um, and they and, and it is because they're such a good source of so many different um, vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and things. And and they are good sources of magnesium as well, especially the likes of of spinach and kale. So really, you know, when you look at that with the spinach, you could be getting your iron. And magnesium, some amounts of it from one vegetable. So, um, mm. so it's a really interesting point. And um, and also sea vegetables. Sea vegetables are actually quite high in magnesium. So the likes of kelp and nori. And I know that you can now get these little wafer thin snack um, seaweeds from Clear Spring. And I think some of the 
the um, is it Itsu and places like that sell them as well. And then clearly you, you can buy it in powder form um, that you can put on salads and stews and things like that. So that's a really good source of magnesium. Nuts, um, especially the likes of almonds and cashews, along with seeds, especially sort of pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds. And also um, raw cacao or uh, and or dark chocolate. So chocolate that's sort of got a minimum of 70% cacao content is, is actually um, quite high in, in magnesium as well. So that's another another area. So those would be, this is, list isn't exhaustive alien, but it's certainly some some of the, the key foods um, where, where you'd be able to find magnesium. Yeah, and I think the uh, the dark chocolate one always is a bit of a conversation uh, starter because uh, there's um, some evidence to suggest that when you get, um, if you're getting chocolate cravings, it's actually a craving for magnesium. So, uh, you know, going for the dark mm. chocolate might be, again, another indication that you're a bit short mm. on magnesium. So having all those dark green leafy vegetables, uh, but allowing yourself maybe a square or two of dark chocolate uh, every day would be a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, so it's really quite easy to make sure that you're getting enough magnesium in your food plan, but it's about eating the right amounts and also about being consistent because you're going to be using up this magnesium every day just for all the everyday body functions, as well as maybe having an extra pull in it because you, you're doing the endurance running. Um, so it's important to think about this nutrient Pool. And one of the ways that magnesium is um, absorbed can be topically through the skin. So, again, it might not be in huge amounts, but just to think about having things like magnesium salt baths, using magnesium sprays and lotions. Um, and then, of course, there are magnesium supplements, too, um, that all of these things together can help people's magnesium status. Um so that that's sort of us rounding up on the three top nutrients. I know we've mentioned a couple of others and we'll maybe cover those in another session. Um, but Karen, can I just ask you once again to summarize the key takeaways from today's episode? Yes, absolutely. So some of the key points I think from, from today is to remember that it's important to consume a balanced and varied diet every day to ensure that you're getting an adequate intake of all nutrients um, on it. I know we've spoken about a few, but it's about, about making sure all your nutrients are optimal. So keeping, keeping the consistency, like you were speaking about, Aileen, and also the variety in the diet as well and making sure that it's balanced. I think women need to take extra care and consider some of the key nutrients that we've spoken about to support their running performance. And there I would say especially iron. So that would be another takeaway. Uh, supplements have a place. However, food does come first. But if it's a true deficiency, then maybe supplements uh, will be necessary for a period of time, but at the same time, introducing the key foods that contain um, contain those nutrients. And then um, just start to become aware of your body and be mindful of signs and symptoms because it's very easy to ignore signs and symptoms. So now that we've discussed 
what to look out for regarding iron, uh, magnesium, vitamin D uh, insufficiencies, then start to be mindful of the symptoms that you're you're feeling and address them. Don't ignore them because it's going to take longer to optimize them the further down the spectrum you go. So those would be my key messages, Aileen, from today. Oh, that's great, Karen. That's another really insightful discussion. I'm sure everybody will have taken away lots of um, really useful information and I'm sure we'll all be thinking about uh, what's going on and being in tune with our bodies. So uh, so I hope you've all enjoyed that and, and we will just sort of finalise by reminding you that it's important not to let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. So uh, we hope that that's a good takeaway for you. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.